Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. It's a good day. We are on week three of our series called In the Beginning. And we are going to be focusing a lot in Genesis chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, get ready there. Genesis chapter 3. We will also have it on the screen. But uh, yeah, last week we touched on who God is and why he created us. We looked at the week of creation and all that he did during that time. And if you're away, you can, uh, if you don't know, we have a YouTube channel that is church. That's happening. That's church online right now. There actually, um, there's people watching right now. So good morning to those who are online. But you can always go back and watch previous messages, whether to review or just submit. If you miss something, it's there for you. But today is the last day of this series, and we are looking forward to next week because next week we're going to start a new series called Bless, and that series is going to be basically along community and what God says and how we can do a, an application to what community is. So it's going to be five weeks long, which we're pretty pumped for. And I'm not going to talk much more about that. Next week we'll bring it, but we're excited for that uh, topic coming down the line. But for this morning, we are on the topic of the fall. The fall. Sin. When Adam and Eve messed up and the curse of sin fell on the world, uh, that, e that event impacted everyone, whether we uh, believe that or not. It has impacted everyone. And today I want to focus in on the details of the fall but more importantly, what God does when Adam and Eve messes up. What does he do? And there is something beautiful that is presented even in the disaster of the mess and the curse of the fall. And we're going to focus on that. So we're going to do the, the teaching of the fall, but what was God doing while that was happening? So let's pray. I want to just commit this to God and his word. So Jesus, here we are. God, thank you for your word. And today, Jesus, we just ask for us to be open to what you have to say to us today. And I believe it could be different for each and every one of us. It may not be from anything that I say up here, God, because your Holy Spirit is moving in this place. So, Jesus, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your, for your, um, your, your love for us, Jesus, that you desire us. And so, God, today we give it to you. We give you um, what I'm about to say to you, Jesus. Amen. Now, ladies, this is more a little bit for you, uh, doing our nails, doing our nails. You know, when I was a kid, it was a privilege to get nail polish because I could stain the carpet or I could wreck furniture. Even if it's on your fingernails and it's wet, you can still wreck furniture and carpet. Anyone else do that besides me? A couple hands, good. So I'll get to the part where everyone can be included in this, but for the nail polish, I remember one afternoon. One afternoon, I was sitting at the coffee table. I was a teenager, and I had the privilege of having nail polish. I was allowed to have nail polish. I did good. I haven't got anything. I haven't wrecked anything. And I'm sitting, and I'm watching TV, and I remember uh, that my mom, who's watching right now, she asked for me not to do it at the coffee table. It is a wooden coffee table. Don't do it there in case it, you spill something, you're gonna wreck it. Go to the kitchen table, put some paper towel down, be responsible. She walked away, went to work, whatever she did. Now, the warning that was given to me at my smart age, I knew better. I knew better because I knew I wasn't gonna spill anything. So there we go. Thanks, mom, but I'm not gonna spill it, so no need for me to move, it's all good. Now, as I was finishing up, the nail polish remover was there with the lid on, but it wasn't screwed on. And I went and I elbowed it. 
I still remember this. This is how painful it was in my mind. It's traumatic. And it spilt. And I went, okay, I can clean this up. Paper towel that I did not have there. I went to go get the paper towel, and I just started doing this. Oh, yeah, you know what's going on. <laughs> the whole finish of that wooden coffee table. I have people shaking their heads at me. <laughs> was stripped. And I went, I need a tablecloth. <laughs> and so uh, we didn't have a tablecloth, so I think I put out magazines and newspapers, just scattered it, and I braced for impact. <laughs> and I had, I tell you, I, I did, I got grounded. I got grounded pretty nicely, and the nail polish was taken from me, and I did not have nail polish. Does anyone resonate with that story, ladies? Okay, now the truth comes out. I can tell you I faced the consequences that day, but I was disobedient. I deserved it. I listened, but I did not act to the instruction that was given to me. And I'm sure all of us, you can be quiet and quiet, but you guys have all experienced something similar. Guys, I know it's not nail polish, but you can think about another situation that has happened to you and go, uh, yeah, I messed up in that. I did not listen. So change the topic. What comes to your mind when I say chosen? I know some of us go, oh, the show. Yeah, me too. My mind went there too. I was like, we're watching it. We're binge watching it right now, and it's so good. We recommend it. But what else comes to your mind when I say chosen? Maybe you remember as a childhood uh, or as a child, and you're waiting to be chosen to be on the team, and you're going, yeah, I'll take you. Yeah, I'll take you, and you're just waiting. That's me, and I'm just waiting to be chosen. Now, whatever comes to your mind together... Let's open up to what God says this word is, chosen. What does God say about the word chosen? So we're going to dive in. Genesis 3, starting in verse 1. We are going to go through this chapter together. We're going to break it apart, but I'm going to start in verse 1. So the serpent was the shrewdest of all wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any trees in the garden? Now let's stop there for a sec. The serpent is categorized as a wild animal. We see that, that God had made. He made this wild animal shrewd. He made him cunning. He made him crafty. He gave him a characteristic in the time of creation. That was part of his design. But the serpent at this time, before Satan came, the serpent was just God's creation. He was not Satan. In Revelations 12, Satan was once an angel, a glorious angel that fell out of heaven due to rebellion. And he came and took advantage of the serpent, used the serpent as his tool to do his bidding so he could tempt Eve. You will notice that the serpent misquoted what God said to Adam to get the response from Eve. He, he, he skewed it. All right, so we're going to look at how Eve replies in verse 2. Of course, we may eat from any tree in the garden, she replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Now, there's a couple of things I would like to point out here. First, Eve did not name the tree. She said, the tree in the garden, in the middle of the garden, with no uh, name given to it. Not the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's just that tree, we don't, we don't go near that tree. 
And secondly, she misquoted God, adding that they are not allowed to touch it. She added that. In Genesis 2.16, we see where God gave the original command. God said, you may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you will surely die. For some reason, Eve added that part on her own, whether out of misunderstanding or even exaggeration. Whatever the reason, this helps give fuel to the serpent to spew doubt and to bring down the importance of the spoken word of God. As we know, the word of God is how we fight the enemy. We see that in scripture. We see that uh, with Jesus in the time of temptation when he was in the wilderness in Matthew 4, when he was being tempted by Satan. And Jesus conquered Satan by using scripture, God's word. We need to know that the word of God, we need to know the word of God so we can be on a firm foundation. And when doubts and questions come wanting to knock us down, we can stand firm in the word of God. Now, continuing in verse 4, the serpent says, you won't die. You, you're not going to die. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful. Its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, who was with her. And he ate it too. Now at that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Now reading this story, we can easily say, Adam and Eve, you messed up royally. Because of your mistake, I'm now dealing with this. You suck. You make me angry. But because of a piece of fruit, and I'm pretty sure if it was a piece, the piece of fruit wasn't an apple, because who really craves an apple? Right? It would have to be like, besides two that can't eat it, because they're allergic. But it could be like a pomegranate, or like, I even go, I don't know, some dragon fruit. I don't know, something exotic that just like, oh, that looks delicious. I don't think it's an apple. But we'll find out when we go to heaven. Maybe it is an apple. I don't know. But reading this story, we can easily blame Adam and Eve for messing up due to temptation. We can take it to as far as who thinks team Adam was the cause or was not the cause of sin? And who thinks team Eve was the cause of sin or not the cause of sin? There is a debate in our world today where it's going, well, Eve did this, well, Adam did that, and technically it's her fault, technically it's his fault. And I think that debate's in marriage these days. Right, Brad? <laughs> right? It just kind of continues on a little bit. But for fun, let's kind of take a look at it. Before Eve was created by God, God created Adam and gave him responsibility to tend and watch over the garden. We see that in Genesis chapter 2. But he also warned Adam, not Eve, because she was not yet created. God told Adam in verse 16 that he may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden except the one of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat of its fruit, you will die. From there, God started creating Eve. He just kind of like, just so you know, that's the rule. That's create Eve. Adam, who was tasked with studying and taking care of naming the animals, would know about the serpent and its characteristics. Adam would also be the one who would communicate to Eve the one rule of the garden 
that God commanded? Did Adam miscommunicate the one rule and add, do not touch? Or was it Eve thinking hard and adding something humanly minded to God's word? The serpent gives the question to Eve and not Adam, possibly because Eve does not know the characteristics of each animal like Adam does. But we also see in verse 6 of Genesis 3 that Adam was there the whole time, which I find it interesting. I've been told that Eve went off to go find Adam. It says right there in Scripture, Adam was there the whole time, and Eve gave Adam the fruit. Eve never left the scene with the forbidden fruit to find and tempt Adam. Adam and Eve, I'm going to settle here. We're on the same page. They're both tempted, but in different ways. And there's a whole bunch more we can add to that, but they're both tempted. That's the important part of the story. They were both tempted. Both made their own choices. And because of their own personal choice, the fall of mankind began. Adam pointed blame at God and Eve, and Eve blamed the serpent. I find that interesting. But the part that stands out today, the part that I really want to focus in on, this story in verse 8 of chapter 3, it says, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Where are you, God calls. He calls because Adam and Eve were chosen. They were created in his image. He, was, he breathed the breath of life into their bodies to give them life. They were chosen from the beginning. You see, we are created in God's image. From the beginning, we are part of God's picture, his plan, and his community. Adam and Eve disobeyed God, felt the shame and guilt of disobedience, something they have never felt before, a whole new emotion on their shoulders. And their guilt made them try and hide from God. See, God is all-seeing. God is all-knowing. We talked about that this past couple weeks. We know, he knows what, he did, what we did yesterday. He knows what we did 10 years ago, and he knows what we're going to do tomorrow. He knows our secret thoughts and our actions that secretly we feel shame, secretly we feel guilt of. And in Psalms 139, it tells us that we cannot hide from him. If we went to the high heavens, he is there. If we... If we hide far into the ground, as far as we can dig, he is there. If we go to the farthest of oceans, to a faraway paradise of an island, he is there. Because he created all and created us and called us chosen. Now, the day that I did my nail, poli my nail polish on that table, I pretended like no one saw me. I put out, I tried to hide it. I tried to hide what I did that was wrong. And I'm sure as God was watching me, he was just like, why, Caitlin? It was so simple. Why? Right? But there are days where we act like God doesn't know what we are doing. But when we get sick in our gut and warning signals go off in our heart, I believe is a God-built-in device to remind us that we did something wrong or we can say it what it is. It is the Holy Spirit wanting to guide us to what is right. When God called out to Adam and Eve, where are you? It wasn't because he literally didn't know where they were. 
he was concerned for them because they, they, he loved them and that he was, they were chosen by him. Where are you? We also see in scripture that God did not raise his voice. He did not threaten with a spanking or a slap or a, you are in so much trouble, man. There was no insult. Instead, he called out out of compassion. God's point of view is that he desires to have a relationship with us. And we were not, a oh, relationship with us. We were not created because God was lonely. I've heard some people say that. Oh, God created us because he was lonely. God's a triune God. God is God. God is not lonely. God is not lonely. We were created out of love for us. He, he, we are to reflect our creator. We are in the image of him. We are to come together to praise his goodness and praise his name. In 1 John 4, 19, we, it says, we love because he first loved us. God is calling out to us, where are you? Are you hiding from him today? Is there things in our lives where we go, oh, that's just, we're just gonna put that back there. Because if that is, that's us hiding. God sees, but we are hiding. We're choosing not to acknowledge it. We're letting it be hidden. Genesis is a love story from the beginning with an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But God still calls to us and hears us. When, even when our mistakes are made, he accepts us and he wants to give you freedom, a freedom to walk in. Even through mistakes, he still wants to give freedom. In Genesis 3.12, we see now that they were having a conversation with God. In verse 12, it says, the man replied, it was the woman you gave me. There's a blame there. Adam says to God, you gave me her and she gave me that fruit. It's not my fault. He cast blame. I was, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. How many times do we blame God for the choices that we make? That one hit me this week. Deuteronomy 30 verse 15 says, today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and keep his commands. See, God is not a controlling God. We are created with a freedom of choice. So with having a choice, one can choose how they live life whether that's with God or not. But that still does not end the problem of a sinful world that we all feel and face daily, whether you believe it or not. Even at the time of the garden, freedom of choice was there in the garden with Adam and Eve. If it wasn't, why would God give a command, a rule saying, obey this? There was a freedom of choice. We can call God the Father, for a loving father wanting the best for his children. He gave the rule to not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil for their protection, for their health and their safety. For a loving parent to say, don't touch the stove when it's on, it's gonna burn you. You can either say, okay, or you can say, eh, prove it. <laughs> they touch the stove, now they're burned and now they have to face the consequences, right? In our disobedience and in our imperfections, God still chooses us. 
God still chooses you. God still chooses me. He fights for us. He extends grace and mercy to us. In times of our falls, mistakes, and burns, he says, I choose you. Jesus says in John 16, 15, you didn't choose me, I chose you. From the time of creation where Jesus was to the time he was on earth with, the man, with mankind and leading his disciples, he was still sharing the message from the beginning, you are chosen. Let's continue on in verse 13. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Notice that God did not punish Adam and Eve first. He cursed the serpent and then spoke the end game promise to Satan that Jesus is coming, that he will strike the enemy's head and that Jesus is victorious and the enemy will surely die. You notice that the mistake on how huge it was that we feel today was not what he spoke about. He spoke to the enemy saying, no more, you have no place here and we are victorious. Ephesians 1, 4 says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. Psalms 139, 16, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed, before a single day had passed, before creation. That did not change in the garden at the time of the fall. And it has not changed today when we mess up and even blame God for it. He still says, where are you? I choose you. Where are you? Brad and I, quick story, just celebrated 17 years of marriage. And at the very beginning, I don't think we had a sweet clue of what our life was gonna look like 17 years later. No idea. You see, at the beginning, we knew each other. Uh, <laughs> we gave each other the response of not a chance in the world. We knew each other's name, and that was about it. We met each other in 2001 because I was friends with his sister. Now, as years went by, it wasn't overnight. I love him. Oh, he's so cute. Oh, she's amazing. None of that. We hated each other's guts, and that's a story for another day. The truth. <laughs> As years went by, and each of us living out of our own lives, we knew each other existed, but that was, that, was, that was it. God gently had a way to lead our separate lives in one direction, miles apart, but in one direction. Without giving the fun and awkward details of our pre-dating where uh, the question comes is, are you guys dating? And you're going, no. Are you sure? Well, I think I would know, right? You get all those awkwardness. Which then, we had a dinner theater at our church that we were casted as the characters who were in a relationship. 
which then led to a real relationship after the dinner theater. And there came a day where I knew that I could marry Brad. I could trust him. I could love him. But only if he's ready for this. I am not interested if he wasn't, right? So I knew that I was accepted to university. I got the acceptance letter in the mail, and I was in another city. Same province, another city. So one afternoon, I decided to have a conversation. I gave the ultimatum. I was accepted into university, and I said, I needed you to decide if you're ready for this. Are you going to choose me? Because if not, that's okay. I am going to go, and I am going to uh, go learn and have a college or university education. But if you do choose me, I won't go. Sorry, there's a car alarm going off. Now, what I didn't know is that when I gave that ultimatum to Brad, he already had the ring. Nailed it, is what he said. He already had the ring. He purchased it weeks prior, and he had it, not on him, but he had it. He had already chosen me before I chose him. Isn't that how God can be? God has already chosen us before we had a clue that he existed. Isn't that amazing? I'm going to call the worship team up. See, God doesn't want a long-distant relationship with us. I could have said to Brad, you know what? I'm going to college. It's going to be four years. We can make it work. I'll see you. There was no FaceTime or anything then. I'll email you. I'll call you, right? I'll come visit when I can. But 12 hours away, it's not an easy travel. God doesn't want a long-distance relationship with us. He wants a close and personal encounter with us where he calls out, where are you? I don't care that you're naked and that your shame is just burdening you and that you have guilt that just goes, oh. He cares about that, but he cares about you. He wants to know where you are to care for you, to love you. So he can take those burdens and go, I got this. Do life with me. Do life with me. Do life with me as it's originated in the time of the garden. Walk with me. Talk with me. Be with me. Because the time of creation is still a time of today. We're in a fallen world, yes. But the time of creation is still purposeful. It's still the big picture. And that is doing life with God, our creator. God does not want a long-distance relationship with you. Can we stand together? See, God sees you. And I felt very much when I was writing this, I looked at it a few times ago, and I am, I feel like a broken record. I feel like I'm so repetitive and that he sees you and that he chooses you. And I felt like we need to hear it. Because there are days in our lives where we go, oh, I'm a mess up. Missed it. Or why would anyone want me? 
Like our confidence level can just slowly get dwindled down from little tiny conversations, right? Or actions that happen. Why me? Why me? I'm not worth it. But you are worth it. Because God sent his son, Jesus. The one who came, the one who died, the one who rose again because you are chosen. He came to sacrifice himself because you are chosen from the beginning. His love is patient and his love is kind. He's not easily angered and he keeps no record of your mistakes because he does not delight in evil. But he rejoices and celebrates with the truth. He gives hope when there is hurting and he encourages when we need to persevere. And he shows himself faithful as we put our trust in him. When we talk about the fall, my mind goes straight to brimstone and fire and hell and we're all gonna die. That is not the message. Jesus did not give his life for that message. He gave his life for you because of his love from the beginning of time. For you to be in that one-on-one -on -one relationship with God the creator. That that is not so far away, that it happened so long ago, that is today if we choose yes to him, because he has chosen us already. So today, with all eyes closed, I wanna pray a prayer. But I also want to pray a prayer, giving the opportunity that if you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, I want to give that opportunity today also. And Brad and I like to do that every Sunday because we don't know where everyone is. You may have attended here for a thousand years and you still don't know. But today I'm letting you know that Jesus has chosen you, that it has never stopped. You were on his mind from before creation was created. And if you're here today and you would like to have a relationship with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the, the creator of all, he wants to have a personal relationship with you. And if you're here today and that's you, I would like to lead you in a prayer. Can you just slip up your hand just minorly? You don't have to wave at me unless you want to, but so I know who I'm praying with and I can pray with you. To repeat this prayer together. Dear Jesus, thank you so much that you have chosen me. From before time, you chose me. And today, Jesus, I choose you to be my Lord and Savior, to be my King of Kings. Jesus, let me follow you. Guide me. Let me experience your Holy Spirit. I give my life to you today. If you said that today, whether in your heart or in quiet, you didn't vocalize that, that still is you saying to Jesus, I choose you. God, I pray over everyone today, Lord. God, I pray that you fill us 
your overabundance of love. Jesus, I pray that you let us experience how you have chosen us. Let it not just be an empty word floating in the sky, God, but that it is a full, real effect, an emotional, personal, intimate choosing. Let us experience that feeling from you today, Jesus. God, I pray against any lies that have come against that word spoken on us, around us, or even feeling of it. Jesus, that is the lie. The serpent came to steal, kill, and destroy. There is a slyness, Jesus, and we speak against that in your name, that we are chosen, that we do not have to hide from you, God, that we are chosen even in our mess. You come to make our mess beautiful. We are chosen. So God, I pray such a, a, cur a courage upon the people today, God, that we can walk in confidence that we are chosen from the King of Kings, from the Lord of Lords, from the God who created all, that we personally have been chosen. We thank you, Jesus, for your word today, God. And I pray that it, it, it hits a chord in all of us, Jesus. I pray that you do a work in all of us. That this is an intimate message, Jesus, where we can rest in you, that we are chosen. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. As we sing our next song, if you want prayer, I'll be right up here, or even after the service, Brad, myself, or even any of the church leaders, we're happy to pray.